This is live from the convent and today we're going to be hearing from Nula about her package holiday to the Congo with the lads and the concert that she held there a while back and also about addiction to beef patties and we're also going to be hearing from motivational speaker and entrepreneur Mikey Barnacle McDoppelson. I'm trying to change my approach to chocolate. I was really shocked by my own behavior. The other day, I stripped down a chocolate bunny violently. And then he stood there on the table in front of me completely naked and vulnerable. My nails tore down the tinfoil right down to the very base of this poor misfortunate bunny. And I didn't care. It looked so cute and so defenseless and I didn't care. It had been hidden from me until Easter Sunday because I am trying to gradually phase out chocolate and I, I will attempt to cut chocolate out completely after Easter, which is a tall order because I am completely addicted. Now, before this bunny... I had already eaten two Easter eggs on the sly. And I'm not proud of that. I just wish I could resist. And the problem is, you see chocolate everywhere. And it makes me want to have it on my tongue 24-7. It's so hard to give up. I think it's as hard as cigarettes or, or alcohol to give up or heroin or whatever other types of drugs. And actually Nula will, will talk about this later with regard to, to beef patties, which I wasn't aware of. But supposedly they were a major thing back in the day. I mean, coming up to Easter, you see chocolate ducks, chocolate bunnies, chocolate eggs. And I remember when I lived in the UK and there was a very famous uh, bookshop chain. And you'd be going up to the counter with your magazine, with your books, and you'd be offered a whole nut bar or some kind of giant chocolate bar. I mean, it'd be the size of a torso. And... If willpower isn't your thing, that's a very, very difficult task to ignore that. And I wish I wasn't joking. I'm serious. I wish I could attend a Chocoholics Anonymous meeting because I do think it's so bad. It takes over my life. It's at least every other thought that I have in a day. Chocolate. 
And I do things that are, you know, supposed to compensate for chocolate. So I put honey in my tea. But I now see that honey is actually a gateway drug to chocolate. So even that now is spoiled. And I'm going to have to cut that out as well. Maybe even fruit. I was watching a video the other day. It was on LinkedIn. Of a baby being given ice cream for the first time. And when you're introducing a baby to any type of new food their face you know doesn't always look the most accepting they're a bit suspicious they're a bit reluctant their head is halfway back and so this child licked the ice cream and it was just from reluctant face to 100% hooked I'll be your bitch forever face about the ice cream within a millisecond and I thought to myself that could not be a good thing I mean that's what I feel when I have my first bit of chocolate in the day or the week that's the way I'll always feel about chocolate but how can that be a good thing she'd never tasted it before and just to see that expression it was almost demonic There was something inherently wrong about the whole video. It just struck a chord with me. Back in 1393, everyone was addicted to beef patties. Not the organic ones. Organic. The dirty supermarket ones were 1% beef. 99% sawdust and grind samples. Delicious! I used to smack me lips together thinking of them. They were so good, we had to have a, a BPA group. Beef Passies Anonymous. I still see the label on products sometimes. People couldn't get enough of them. They couldn't get enough of them. Then they were injecting themselves with the passies down alleys. And and the street name for it from the dealers was Drobo Derby. Drobo Derby was hot on the scene then. Big boys brought it in from Colombia and Mexico by the truckloads. I mean, truckloads, lads. You've never seen trucks like this. I passed out the first time a truck drove through me village. The smell of wet, packed passies knocked me out with the hunger. First thing you'd say at these Beef Passies Anonymous uh, meetings was hello my name is Brenda because that was my name back then to hide my my identity and you'd say then and I'm a beef patty addict lads okay then you were in all the lads would clap 
like seals and we had medals in the shape of beef patties oh but we had to change this as the lads kept trying to eat them so we changed the shape to an aubergine but there was another problem that arose because well let's just say the the gynecology department up and down the country were up to their eyes busy Beef patties made a comeback in the 70s. This was a time when people really knew how to master the overdose. Uh, it was at a time when Woodstock and all these big festivals were happening. Except the beef patties this time, all the drug lords had been put in the prisons. So there was a new wave of beef patty dealers. Now, these could be people from 5 to 25 from anywhere in the world. And the beef patties were mini beef patties. So very easy to overdose. So mini that you think, ah, this is nothing. This is nothing. I just put it on my tongue and it melts. But the problem with the small beef patties is they had the exact same power as the big ones. And they cost... Big, big bucks. Big bucks. People running short of cash. You know, and people that have maybe 20 in one go, which led to instant debts. Instant debts. There was a big boy running the whole thing. His name was Carlos Jorge Magenta Ruiz Gonzalez Maria Cordoba Venezuela. He was from Tubber. In Sligo, birthplace of the beef patties. He had a funny way of asking questions. He'd never wait for the answer, only box you in the head. He was so well respected and so well known that he wore wads of cash around his neck, like a daisy chain, and no one ever tried to rob him. He'd get free fry ups wherever he went. And that was the height of the riches back then. Tops. Tops. Absolute tops of the town. Now, there was one very, very serious incident that happened. Oh, it was very sad. I can almost still hear the announcement on the radio uh, when I made me, me breakfast. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it took place in the 70s. And uh, it was when Carlos really, really ruled everything. And don't be worrying about the dates and years, by the way, that I'm telling you in my stories, because I'm pre-science. I am when science used to be called nature, okay? And... Before history was history, when they were tales, all right? So don't be worried, don't be double-checking dates, yeah? So this was called Beef Patty Massacre, a Studio 64, and it was a lovely night. Everyone was dancing to the Bee Gees, the whole lot, any music you can think of. They were dancing, 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 and sweating and loving it. And he'd managed to sneak in a girl 
who had a jewellery stall, anything went in Studio 64. Anything. Dresses in the shape of skyscrapers. Oh, in the shape of cupcakes. Oh, my God. I remember I used to be dancing on the podium. So he snuck in this girl and she had disguised the beef patties as pendants. And people were loving them. They glowed in the dark. They were like, oh, can I have one of those? And she was like, no bother, no bother. That's 500 pounds. And they were like, that's absolutely fine. Strange currency to have it for Studio 64. But I'll go to the bank, get it changed, come back, buy it. And they bought the pendants, but there was a beautiful smell off the pendants. Oh, always a lovely smell, like the smell of a barbecue. Who can resist a barbecue? I can't. And people started nibbling on them as they were dancing or they'd be nibbling on them when they sat down in the corner to catch their breaths and God loved them. Sure hadn't the beef patties been kept in uh, a truck overnight and the meat, well, it's not exactly meat, but the patties had sweat all over themselves and poisoned each other. And they all just started dropping like flies in the club. And it was just so sad. This is the danger of drugs. And Carlos, he got out the back door. No one's ever seen him since. And the girl who was selling the jewellery, she got arrested. She was put away for life. But, oh, I'll never forget the announcement on the radio. It was very sad. And from then on, there was heavy, heavy police in the beef patties. And the numbers at the beef patties anonymous meetings shot up. Absolutely shot up. And that's, that's what happened. I came up with this song. When me and the lads had come back from a trip to the Congo, we went out there on a package holiday back in 1277 and we came back with t-shirts and chewy rocks. It was a good one. The song is called Greasy Overtime. Greasy, I mean greasy. Greasy Overtime. Me and the boys even had... Uh, concert when we were out in the Congo it was a time when we were doing heavy heavy dubstep triple step that kind of stuff we had to the gig up and the treetops we made a tree house out of the wood and all the lads were down below dancing away the music might have been a bit heavy now, might have been a bit before its time, but we we gave it a blast. The greasy, the greasy overtime concert was packed out, full to the brims, full to the rafters. Mean lads had to actually move up higher on the trees. 
Back in those days, you didn't always need a stage, a treehouse. That's all that was needed. Anyway, from the tops of the trees, we were singing, 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 top of our lungs. Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. And there was a problem with greasy overtime in that the lyrics have never been repeated. Uh, The song was never released. The album was never released. All of the songs, they were too much unspeakable i remember there was one one note and i sang it so loud and with so much passion my outfit blew off it blew off into the sunset (laughs) oh god oh god i remember the bass player uh, he said your outfit's (laughs) blown off nula Oh, God. Oh, God, I'll never forget it. And luckily, luckily, I was wearing, you know, I was wearing good good knickers. That's what my my mom always said to me. She said, you know, if you were in an accident tomorrow and the ambulance stopped at the side of the road, are you wearing clean knickers? That's what my mum always said. So I always make sure to be wearing clean knickers. Because I don't want to be cut out. Do you know what I mean? Don't want to be cut out. And that day I certainly wasn't. I had a picture of someone on the front of me, on the front of me knickers. It was a picture of uh, a very famous guy. And uh, the crowd roared anyway. They roared. They were so happy. That was proper entertainment. None of this pussy stuff. None of this fluffing the hair and makeup and all this malarkey. No, no, no. Just pure raw music. And now it's time to hear from motivational speaker Mikey Barnacle McDoppelson about a morning routine that you can adopt to help you become more like him and generally an entrepreneur and successful person. Hey guys, motivational speaker Mikey Barnacle McDoppelson here. I was born and raised by red squirrels and raccoons in eastern Colorado under a bridge, but I still made it. Today, I'm a multi-billionaire. I just came off a call with Macro Hard's CEO, Phil Mates. Great guy. Great products. He's even got a vaccine for the whole world. This is what you can do too. But you must buy my tape. My cassette tape. It's not an MP3 or CD or DVD or book. No, but a tape. And it's called, I'm Knocking on the Door, Ding Fucking Dong. Now, my publisher said, don't call it that, Mikey. My agent said, Mikey, please, not again. Because my first tape back in 1986 was called, Wakey fucking wakey time. Bestseller. Six trillion copies sold worldwide. Now you may wonder, how is that? Well, 
people bought multiple, multiple copies. Oh, I always have a problem saying that word. Mole. Pole. Pole. Billions of dollars I have, and I have such problems saying that word. <sighs> so people bought multiple, multiple, multiple copies uh, for themselves, their children, their grandkids, their future kids, etc. That tape is the main reason people are still buying ghetto blasters and Walkmans today. That's more money, by the way, than a safe can handle. When you sell trillions of products, you become so sick of money. You just want to walk around naked and eat burgers and drink beer. Trust me when I tell you this. That sounds like big, big bucks to me, Bio. Oh, yeah, Nula, you got it. So what I want to go through with you now is a morning routine that you can follow to get ready for the day. Now, I promise if you do this routine every morning, um, you are really on the road to becoming a successful entrepreneur like myself or Phil Mates from MacroHard. Um, but you've got to do this, like you would say your morning or your evening prayers. Now, just so you're aware, the word entrepreneur, uh, it comes from the middle French verb entreprendre, which means to undertake something and essentially that's that's really what you've got to do um to really to get this whole thing uh now if you think about what an undertaker does uh it's a person who prepares dead bodies for burial or cremation um and you must put to rest parts of you that you've been carrying around with you <laughs> essentially um yeah uh, are we allowed to say the word death right everyone conks in the end yeah thanks nula uh just don't know if we talk about such such morbid things um speaking of putting to rest um parts of you I would say that one of the really good things to do even before you start this routine is to make it so that you have one bag of stuff, all right? One bag of stuff. That's all that you have possessions-wise. People have bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of stuff. That's not advisable. Um, you know, you don't need all of that stuff, that is the first thing that I would advise to do. So I would say, save up your coppers, your pennies, pay for the dump to take what you really don't use. You use really, if you're honest with yourself, one or 2% of, of what you own. Okay. And I would say this is a really good first step 
into getting into this. It also means that you're light and ready if you need to run. And sometimes you do need to run if it doesn't work out. (laughs) So I'm just being really honest here. Okay, so what I want you to do in the morning is look in the mirror and say, I've got this. Now, you won't believe me when I say this, but the minute you say, I've got this, your car will start. Your toast with avocados and egg will make itself. Your competitors will back off because if you've got this, they're finished. I want to talk about a phenomenon called Brickface. It's all the pent-up family and relationship stuff from your life, which weighs down the bottom half of your face. I call this brick face. All of this emotional energy and history is like the structure of your face. It actually makes it up. In order to get rid of brick face, you got to let your face be slack, completely slack. Then slap it hard, mush it up, rub exactly one can of processed peas and sesame seeds into it, then rinse and smile vacantly though, not thinking of one thing, not thinking of a single thing. And this is really important. You must go to the absolute tip top of your mind where the birds and the eagles fly and where the air is light and thin. That kind of smile. Smile like you don't feel anything or never have. What helps to tap into that frame of mind is if you touch a machine as you do this smile. It can be a toaster. Uh, it can be a computer, ideally. Uh, it can be a hairdryer. Don't use a fax machine. I won't get into it, but just don't. Take my word for it. I did this once, and um, I just I went into this dark place, and... For some reason, fax machines, they have a different energy. There's something else they're contributing. I I can't explain why, but I would just say don't touch the fax machine. Now hold the smile as you clutch the machine. Take a deep breath, and by the time you breathe out, your face architecture will have changed. And, you know, that's really the first step. Now, next time I'm going to go through how you should treat each relationship and circumstance in your life as a customer services exchange, and none of your relationships or your circumstances will ever uh, suffer from this. Every single one of those things will be saved and maintained. <laughs>